You are tuned to the Nahum Siegel Network on jmandtheam.org and nahumsiegel.com. Stay tuned for JM Sunday with Matis Weingast.
Good morning, good morning everyone. Welcome to JM Sunday here with you, Matis Weingast, on the stream at jmtheam.org. It's a Sunday morning, it's December 23rd, it's the 10th of Tevet in the year 5773, which means that today is a fast day, the fast of Asara B'Tevet. And we'll be speaking more about the fast day with our fast day consultant, uh, Rabbi Elchanan Weinbach coming up at around 7.35, right after morning chizuk here on JM Sunday. The fast ends uh, today, 5.16 p.m. Eastern Time in uh, the uh, New Jersey area where we are now. And uh, so it's just a, you know, not, not too bad of a, a fast. Right now it's 7.05 Eastern Time. So under, uh, yeah, certainly under 12, a little bit above... Uh, 10 hours to go on the fast. I know many of you were up early because I could see the uh, postings on on the different social media. People were up early today at their favorite haunts, getting something to eat before the fast begins. And that's okay today because the fast began this morning and not last night as some of the fasts do. Uh, we'll be talking about an interesting fact about today's fast uh, with uh, with Rabbi Weinbach later on. We'll be talking about why uh, and what this fast has in common with um, with specifically and is unique to Yom Kippur. Uh, so we will uh, we'll discuss that with him. As I mentioned, 7:30, Rabbi Goldwasser. 7:35, Rabbi Weinbach. 8 o'clock. We hope to have uh, our news direct from Israel with Hannah Levi Julian. And coming up at 8:40 this morning. We expect to be joined on the air by Rabbi Shalom Deitch, who's the co-director of the Chabad of Ridgefield, Connecticut. He'll share with us his role in helping families in the immediate aftermath of the uh, tragic shooting in Newtown last Friday. So uh, that should be uh, should be difficult, but interesting, I hope. Coming up at 7.40. And in between now and then, and in between all the uh, special features we have, we're going to play music. We have a theme today. The theme is Yerushalayim. If anybody uh, wants to take a guess as to why it's Yerushalayim, you can let us know on the JM Sunday Facebook page, JM Sunday. Like us if you haven't liked us there. And uh, you can also send me an email if you have a request. We'll try to get the request on today. If you have a, a birthday wish, an announcement to make, uh, matis at nachamsegel.com, M-A-T-T-E-S at nachamsegel.com. So here's our first of the Ushalayim-themed selections on JM Sunday. Thanks for listening, everyone. 
sun. Do, 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 do. And when David anointed his capital, this was a war. You shall lie in shall Shalom. You shall King Solomon's throne. You shall Shall be Tahoe, you shall lie, King 
music by Shira Chadasha Boys Choir here on a JM Sunday. Matta Swinegast with you, 7.27 in the morning, Eastern Time, here on the 10th of Tevet, 5773, a fast day in the Jewish calendar, Sunday, December 23, 2012. A quick wrap-up of the music, we started off with Moda'ani by Regesh, we heard Yerushalayim from Michal Przansky. Another Yerushalayim from Bitachon from the Soul Food album. Followed by a brief Yerushalayim from Lipa Schmelzer's The New Project X. And then winding up with Shira Chadasha Boys Choir. The theme today is Yerushalayim. Anybody want to guess why? <laughs> Send us an email. Matis at NachumSiegel.com or post it on JM Sunday Facebook page and like us over there. We thank our listeners for joining us this morning and for communicating with us. Coming up in just a minute or so, Rabbi Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk, followed by Rabbi Elkanan Weinbach, the official fast day consultant to the Nachum Siegel Network. We'll be discussing with him the fast day today and information about that. want to let you know, tomorrow morning, Nachum will be off, and instead, Robert Katz will be sitting in for Nachum at JM and the AM, starting at 6 AM, 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM up in the Catskills area, and on the stream at jmandtheam.org. That is something to look forward to. Nachum will be back the rest of the week. And, of course, all the great Jewish programming that goes on on the stream during the week at uh, nachmasiegel.com. So there's a lot to look forward to. We are going to be joined later on this morning by Rabbi Shalom Deitch, co-director of the Chabad of Richfield, Connecticut. He'll be talking about the aftermath of the uh, tragic shooting in Newtown last Friday morning. And uh, we are filling the airwaves with, or the internet waves, if you will, with uh, Yerushalayim-themed music today. That is what we do. It's uh, for those following Daf Yomi. 81st uh, daf in uh, Shabbat, in Masechus Shabbos, and uh, that is today. So we're marching towards another seum in February. I think I have the, uh, well, we have we know the exact date, I just don't have it right in front of me, but I think it is, let me just double check, because we plan on doing another seum here, God willing. Uh, the last day for uh, Masechus Shabbos is... The 9th of March, actually. Oh, interesting. The 9th of March, and uh, we expect to do the Seum, then I guess, the uh, the, 20, the 10th of March. Sunday morning, the 10th of March. We'll let you know about that. A lot of things going on around that time, so we'll keep you posted and, uh, and let you know what is happening with that. It is 7.30 in the morning Eastern Time here on JM Sunday. And at this time, each and every Sunday through Thursday, we present to you Rabbi David Goldwasser, Rabbi Goldwasser's words, Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. In the fifth month, on the tenth of the month, Nebuchadnezzar came. He burnt the Besamikdash, the king's house, and all the houses of Yerushalayim. The entire wall that surrounded Yerushalayim was destroyed. The captain of the guard exiled the remnant of the people from the land. We see that Asura Betevis, the date on which the siege of Yerushalayim began, was the beginning 
of the entire chain of calamities, which culminated with the Chorban Beis Hamikdash. Under the siege, the famine became intense. The Benos Tzion, we are told, gathered in the marketplaces, something that they weren't accustomed to do. They questioned each other what they were doing and why they were there. And each one said that the plague of the famine was so harsh, they couldn't bear it. And therefore, they had come to look for food. Psikta Rabba tells us that so intense was the famine that they would hold on to each other, rummaging for food. Children were begging their mothers for nourishment. Nebuchadnezzar had thought that he'd be successful in capturing Yerushalayim in a short time. However, Hashem strengthened the Toshe Yerushalayim and they were able to endure with the hope that perhaps they would do tshuva when they would see what was happening around them. Many great people waged war with Babylonia. They were even able to cause heavy casualties for Bovel. There was one particular hero by the name of Akiva ben Gavrati, of whom it is told that when the rocks would be thrown by the enemy against the wall, he would catch them with his hands and then pitch them back at the enemy, killing many of the soldiers. Yalkut Shmoni tells us that he was even able to hurl them back with his foot. However, ultimately, he too was taken because of the state of decadence of Klal Yisroel. A wind came and threw him off from the wall. At that hour, Yerushalayim was breached and the Babylonians were able to enter. The Rambam in Hilchus Tshuva, Perakei, tells us the significance of the fast. It's not just the grief and the Avelus which it invokes. The purpose of the fast is to inspire us to turn the hearts of Klal Yisrael towards Tshuva. We should remember that our deeds and the deeds of our fathers, which of course are catalysts for all things to happen, good and otherwise. Like it says in Vayikra, Vizvadu esavainam, they shall confess their transgressions and the transgressions of their fathers. Our Chachomim have said in the Talmud Yushalmi that every generation in which the Besamikdash is not rebuilt, it is considered as if they had destroyed it. And therefore, it is our objective to inspire divine mercy, to do tshuva, to repent and correct our deeds and those of the previous generations. We have the chance to bring the Geula closer through our tshuva, through our tztaka and maasim toivim. May we see the fulfillment of the Pasuk, Tzion b'mishpati padeh, that Zion will be redeemed through judgment, v'shoveha b'tztaka, and those that return to her through righteousness. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. Thank you, Rabbi Goldwasser. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we will be joined by Rabbi Elchanan Weinbach to talk about the fast of Asar Batebe, just as uh, Rabbi Goldwasser mentioned a few minutes ago. In the meantime, here is Yisrael Barakov with... Uh, the, uh, with the Yerushalayim from the uh, from his album Achayverei here on JM Sunday.
It is a, a JM Sunday on the 10th day in the month of Tevet. That was Yisrael Barakov with Yerushalayim. And uh, as usually happens on a fast day, that is uh, a weekday, we are joined by our fast day consultant. Nachum is joined by uh, the fast day consultant for the Nachum Siegel Network. 
And uh, since today is a fast day on JM Sunday on our new network, the Nachum Siegel Network, uh, we felt that uh, the fast day consultant does not get the day off. He has to appear and join us and talk about today's fast day. So it is with great pleasure that we welcome to the airwaves this morning Rabbi Elchanan Weinbach, the official fast day consultant to the Nachum Siegel Network. Good morning, Rabbi Weinbach. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be making time and a half here working overtime. <laughs> uh, there's no such thing as overtime uh, when you're when you're exactly. out there in the it's Jewish overtime, community. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Rabbi, you are, before we get to the fast day today, you are the uh, head of school for the Kohelet Yeshiva down there in, uh, what is it, Marion Station, Pennsylvania? Did I pronounce that correctly? That's right. It, yes, it's a suburb right outside Philadelphia. Yes. And how's the school going? I know you spoke about it in the past, and what's uh, happening over there? Baruch Shem, things are going very, very well. Uh, we've had a lot of growth. We uh, went from 108 to 138 students this year, so uh, very strong freshman class. And uh, students are doing very well. Learning's uh, going great. We've, uh, we've been fortunate enough through the agency of the Kohelet Foundation, no direct relationship, through the agency of the Kohelet Foundation here in Philadelphia, all of our students as well as all the students in the Jewish middle schools and high schools, uh, have been given iPads this year. We've been able to integrate iPad technology into both general studies and Judaic studies. Um, and uh, we also this year began our Beit Midrash program. We brought in the Rosh Beit Midrash, Rabbi Tzvi Sinensky, and uh, our adult education program, Baruch Hashem, is going very well. And uh, we're really, it's an exciting time. Thank God. Now, now let me just uh, check on this, because I know I would be remiss if I if I don't uh, ask about this. The the new iPads, uh, do they all have the JM and the AM app yet? Uh, actually, I would have to say no to that. I was Ooh. unaware that there's a JM and the AM app, but Ooh. I think that, I think that, you know, I have an administrator's meeting this morning, and I think that that just jumped to the top of the list on our agenda. Thank you. How our students have been deprived of JM and the AM and the opportunity to enjoy the great music and the great talks and the great guests. I, 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 I stand here in shame as an educator not to have provided this for our students. You are forgiven. It's, uh, you're, you're, it's okay. It's okay. We, we will get you the information, though. Uh, and uh, there is the uh, JM, uh, JM app that uh, streams all the programming on the Nachum Siegel Network, including JM and the AM. And uh, maybe uh, it is something that you feel would be appropriate to put on the, uh, on the apps and uh, let the students know that uh, it's cool to listen to Jewish music, which I'm sure, knowing you, that's not a problem. <laughs> and the spirit and the ruach, God, that is not a problem at all. Uh, I also would like to ask for a minute, uh, in light of the situation, the, the tragedy in Newtown, uh, Connecticut, uh, last week, uh, how did your school handle things? Uh, did you have additional security discussions or discussions in the classroom regarding the incident? So uh, on the let me start with the classroom front, if I could. We uh, we did have we spoke to the students before davening on Monday, and then we had as part of our weekly town hall on Tuesday. We also we talked and we had some tefillah, um, and. Uh, Otherwise, individual teachers did uh, have discussions with their kids, um, and we tried to structure that as much as possible around discussion of issues, not to sit there and talk about how terrible it is and get into an emotional and psychological spiral, downward spiral, but uh, to try to frame it in terms of the issues and what actions can be taken. 
Um, on the security side, this is uh, you know this is every school's worst nightmare, obviously. Um, different schools have different um, security procedures. We work with the County of Montgomery here with the county officials, um, and we are in the midst. Uh, we're actually in discussion with them before this. Uh, we're in a relatively new facility for us, and therefore we're developing uh, or improving our procedures for the kind of drills where if, God forbid, there was uh, a shooter outside the building or inside the building exactly how to handle those emergency-type situations. At the same time, the reality is that depending upon the profile of your building, there's either more or less you can do, but it's very limited um, in a lot of ways because if, you know, in the worst-case scenario, somebody makes a calculated strike, particularly against your target, and they have carefully considered your target, if you have a school building like most school buildings are with multiple ground-level entries and lots of glass, at the end of the day, all you can do is put up layers of deterrence so that they hopefully will not pick your target, or uh, if they strike your target, hopefully you've got procedures to minimize the damage. Uh, it's really only buildings, and they are few, it's only buildings that have very limited entrance really, really secure first floor uh, first floor entrance or real control of access to the site that can put up the best levels of um, deterrence. Um, again, we do we do everything that we can, and the fact is that by having the right procedures, by having a locked front door where you have to identify yourself before you come in and there has to be visual confirmation of who you are, the security experts say that these steps alone deter the overwhelming majority of people who might want to pick your site as opposed to, you know, they're looking for a site and they came to yours. Right. If they're specifically picking your site and they want to come through your front door, there's, uh, you know, it becomes much more limited there. Then it becomes a question of deterrence and procedures once they're inside the building. Sure. Unfortunately, we have to think about these things now more than ever before. And hopefully, uh, hopefully it won't happen again, but it, uh, we have to defend ourselves in many, many different ways. Well, today is the 10th of Tevet. It is a fast day in the Jewish calendar. I asked on the year before uh, why this day is uh, unique uh, in comparison with uh, Yom Kippur, what Yom Kippur and, and Asar Tevet share in terms of some uniqueness. I'm sure you are familiar with the answer. It's more of a calendaric issue than... Uh, than anything else, but um, but it has to do, of course, with with the fact that in theory, the tenth day of Teve could occur on Shabbos. That's correct. Um, interestingly, unlike all other fast days beyond Yom Kippur, because in the Navi the tenth of Teve has a description of the Etzem Hayom Hazeh in the midst of this day, and that matches the description of Yom Kippur. Therefore, it is, in theory, possible, and actually, as I'll mention in a moment, practically does happen a little bit, it is, in theory, possible that the Tenth of Teves, were it to fall out on a Shabbos, we would fast on Shabbos the same way that we do on Yom Kippur. Um, the reason why we don't ever experience that is because now that we're on a fixed calendar, the calendar has been set in such a way where... It cannot fall out on Shabbos. However, as happens periodically, three times I think in the last 15 years, and it will happen again next year, um, 
Asar Bateves falls out on Fridays, right. which is unusual. And the fast is completed all the way through until the beginning of Shabbos, so that when Asar Bateves falls out on a Friday, Arab Shabbos, when you go to shul, there's laning and there's Haftorah. And then when you start Kabbalah Shabbos and you start Shabbos, you're actually fasting, which under normal circumstances is never done. We don't want to go into Shabbos, you know, famished, and then the Shabbos meal isn't, uh, you know, is, is rushed and inappropriate. People are just, uh, you know, too hungry to enjoy the Shabbos the way that they should. Um, but it can happen with Asara Bateves. It happens periodically. And next year, it will happen again. Wow. Well, Nebuchadnezzar was a bad guy many, many years ago, so tell us about the fast of Asar B'Tevet. Asar B'Tevet commemorates the siege, the siege that was laid by Nebuchadnezzar, Melech Bavel, the king of Bavel, on Yerushalayim. It was the beginning of the end for uh, Yerushalayim at the time of the first base on Mikdash. And um, it's interesting to note that it wasn't inherently a destruction. So one might wonder, okay, we understand Shavas of the Thomas, they broke through the walls. Tishavav, a Samikdash was, uh, was laid to waste. But why is it that Asar Bateves, the laying of the siege itself, is so significant? And I think the answer to that rests in the fact that Yerushalayim is not just a military target, if you will. And so siege was laid and Therefore, nothing could get in and out of the city, and it was the beginning of the end of some practical military way. When a city is surrounded, not only can nothing get into the city, but nothing can get out. And when Yushalayim cannot have an influence on the world, when the influence of Yushalayim is stopped, that is a deep, deep, tragic day. Yushalayim is not just someplace where we go, and when we're there, it has an influence on us. Yushalayim is to permeate our existence. It's, it radiates out to the world and to the Jewish people wherever they are. And once it's surrounded, and not only can't the people get the food and the drink and the military supplies, and so therefore it's a military campaign and a civic situation, when the influence of Yushalayim can't get out, when people can't go to Yushalayim and experience the elevation of being at the base of Mikdash and being in Yerushalayim and then take it back to where they live, take it back to outside Yerushalayim or Chutzla'aretz, Bizman Hazen, in our time, that's a tremendous, tremendous tragedy worthy of our Chuvar Slichos and our fasting. The, uh, the, the, you know, what you say is, is extremely interesting because, of course, when you compare what goes on today in today's world, a lot of times people look at what goes on today, they don't realize, because we're in the midst of what will be history, and hopefully a more positive history than in the past. We have people who want to do the same thing to us, and maybe in a different way. They look to break down those walls, chop away, and start a uh, you know, what they would desire to do, that, that, that they would like to end up in a, in a total destruction. Yeah, there are threats, uh, you know, the threats remain real, and we have to, we certainly have to stay attuned to them. Uh, there are people who, they're not interested in the two-state solution, they're only interested in the one-state solution, that state obviously not being the Jewish state, and uh, the profound effect that that would have not only on 
the millions of people who live in Eretz Yisrael, but the profound effect it would have on every Jew everywhere and on the entire world. The loss of Chas uh, Shalom, the loss of, of Medina Yisrael, you know, the, the, the weakening, even the weakening of Medina Yisrael, and therefore the weakening of its effect on the rest of the world, the profound effect it has on the Jewish people and on the world everywhere. The threat is, uh, the threat is right here. The threat is right here, Matthias. Absolutely. The... Uh... In the, in the calendar, by the way, you know, in the secular calendar, we, uh, cel- we celebrated, we commemorated that Sarbatevi twice in the secular calendar this year, because it was late last year. So it was beginning of January, and oh, now, that's right. That's right. and next year it's going to be very early, because, you know, Hanukkah comes, December. first night of Hanukkah is uh, era of Thanksgiving, if you will. Yeah, I think it's December 13th next year. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's pretty early. Uh, any other thoughts on uh, on today's fast? talk about on JM in the AM when we talk about fasts, and that is it's an opportunity, and especially on a Sunday, it's an opportunity to set aside some time. It's not just Vayar Hashem Estanisam. It's not that God sees our fast day. It's that God sees Vayar Hashem Estanisam. It says, say for Yonah, God sees our actions. It's an opportunity today to, by setting aside some time, extra time for tefillah, extra time for learning, extra time for introspection and tshuva, it's, uh, it's a special opportunity to have not just an easy fast, but I want to wish you, Montes, and, and, and everybody on the network, everybody should have a meaningful fast day. Thank you, absolutely. Uh, the, the next fast coming up uh, is, uh, is of course, uh, is Tynus Esther, I believe, right? Tynus Esther on a yeah. Thursday. So that's a, uh, it's a little bit more, you know, it's different because there you know that you're going into Purim. You kind of know that uh, the things turned out okay, right. <laughs> right? And there's no, there's no, there's no Indian of Avelis there. Right. It's not, a, it's not a day of mourning. Um, and uh, it also this year manifests the quality that other fast days don't manifest, in that it gets pushed earlier. Right. Exactly. In the calendar. Exactly. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, I know. That's 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 for time, Rabbi Elchanan Weinbach, official fast day consultant to the Nachum Siegel Network, and uh, you didn't know that you got this promotion, right? You know, yes. you're now on the entire network. Also, head of school uh, is uh, that, that's your other job, right? You're head of school of the Kohelet Yeshiva down in uh, in Philadelphia. Well, yeah, and and you know, until people fully understand the influence, the size, and the power of the network, let them think that my you know, full time I'm in Philadelphia. Yeah, let let them think, and then <laughs> once the network is revealed to be the you know the singular influence within the Jewish community and 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 in the it's a, thank now. you, thank you, thank you, and I'm sure Nachum thanks you also, uh, and it's it's getting there. How can people contact you if they want to get in touch with you down in that area? Certainly welcome to uh, contact us via the web at our website, which is koheletyeshiva.org. Um, Google searches obviously will also get you there, and uh, we're certainly happy to uh, have anyone get in touch with us, talk to you about our school, our base medrash, and uh, about a number of the some of the interesting things we're doing in Jewish education that are beyond the scope of today's discussion, but that uh, you know we believe will be very helpful to advancing Jewish education. Absolutely. And many people from this area up here in uh, North Jersey and New York area who heard that I'm going to have you on uh, wanted uh, me to send regards. If I start the names, I'll thank forget you. some. So thank okay. you, uh, you know, for all because a lot of people know you from up here, and uh, we wish you also an easy fast uh, to you and your family. 
and we'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you, Marcus. Take care. Take care. Rabbi Elchanan Weinbach of uh, Kohelet Yeshiva down there in, uh, in what is the, I want to make sure I have the exact, uh, the correct name. It's Marion, uh, I want to get that wrong because after all, it's Marion Station, Pennsylvania. Marion Station, Pennsylvania. Thank you, Rabbi Weinbach, for joining us this morning. We go back to music. Here's Mordechai Ben David with uh, Yerushalayim on JM Sunday.
Mordechai ben David with Yerushalayim from the Tamid Besimcha album here on JM Sunday, 7.59 Eastern Time here in the morning. Mata Swine guest with you. Tomorrow morning, Nachum will be off. Robert Katz will be taking over at JM in the AM. So that'll start at 6 AM tomorrow morning. It'll go for three hours. And uh, Robert, I'm sure, will do a phenomenal show, as he always does when he is in uh, for Nachum on JM in the AM. It is right now 8 o'clock in the morning, and we are joined from Israel by our Israeli correspondent, Hannah Levy-Julian, who's a senior correspondent and editor for the Israeli National News English Division and a news broadcaster in Israel. Good morning, Hannah. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Fine, thank you. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning on a 10th uh, day of Tevet, a fast day. Uh, it is uh, actually you only have a few hours left, so it's uh, it's pretty. It's yes, almost right. over there. How are things in Israel this week? All the calories. <laughs> well, it's okay. I'm getting rid of all the calories from Hanukkah. Still shedding them slowly. This will help. Um, we've had an interesting week. Um, uh, we have, as you know, we have a uh, a relatively new face on the political scene here in Israel, Naftali Bennett, who is the chairman of the Habayat HaYehudi uh, political party, the Jewish Home Party. He's an American, and uh, he put his foot in it this past week by uh, stating that which most people think and which very few people would actually say in a political forum, um, you know, in politics, it's it's not the thing to actually state the obvious. You're only allowed to think it, and you're allowed to imply it, but you're not ever really allowed to state it. Uh, and he made the mistake of stating it and then had to backpedal. Um, what he said was that uh, he... Uh, would never um, allow himself to be drawn into a situation where he would uh, accept an order to evacuate, to expel a Jew from his home. Um, and then he found himself having to backpedal because Benjamin Netanyahu immediately said that he would not have a minister in his coalition who would... Uh, not accept uh, an order from an army commander. Um, if if an army commander would order you to do something, you would have to do it, obviously. Um, what Naftali Bennett said, someone who would put, put it this way, what, what Netanyahu said is someone who would call for soldiers to disobey orders is someone he would not have as a minister in his government. Bennett had to backpedal and what he did was issue a statement. The statement he issued was the following. The words came from the bottom of my heart, and I won't apologize for them, but I'm not a private citizen. I'm a public leader. So I now state in the simplest of terms, in order to uproot an Arab village or a Jewish settlement violates the most basic of human rights. It's a difficult dilemma. I pray with all my heart that no such order is issued ever again. But if there's no other choice, I clearly state a soldier must follow the Army's order. 
This is a man who was in the Sayeret Matkal. That's a special ops uh, brigade in the IDF. He knows what it means to follow orders. This, this guy was not a jobnik. He served in one of the toughest units in the Army. He's not a guy who, who's never served in the Army before. Um, and so he knows what it means to follow tough orders. He, he wasn't saying it because uh, he didn't know what it meant. He said it because it's not okay to pull someone out of their homes. But he wasn't calling for everyone else to disobey orders. That's not what this was about. And politics is a dirty game, and he forgot that. Um, he forgot it real fast, and now he remembers, and now he remembers that, oh, yeah, right, <laughs> I'm in politics. Now I know. Um, the reason Netanyahu turned on him, and he was actually a protege of Netanyahu uh, for a long time. He was together with him in the Likud. The reason that they all turned on him so fast, and they turned on him from both the right and the left, was because he's become a real threat. Bayat Yehudi only had a couple of seats in the last Knesset, and suddenly with Bennett at the helm, suddenly it looks like Bayat Yehudi is going to take 12 seats this time around. Wow. And it's becoming the third largest party in the Knesset, so it's, you know, in, at least in the coalition. So it sounds like so uh, politics as usual. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> right. So that's one story that's going on here. The other thing that's happened, which uh, um, happened today, was that an Arab taxi driver was shot in the leg. Uh, actually, this afternoon, uh, this morning, your time, um, trying to run over a border guard officer. Um, he hit him, but he didn't really hit him very hard. Both men are in mild condition. They're in, they're in good condition. The uh, police officer was treated on the scene, and the Arab driver, after he was interrogated, was taken to Hadassah in Karim Hospital in uh, Yerushalayim, and they're investigating the incident to see whether or not it was a terrorist incident or to see whether or not he was just mentally deranged. They're not really sure. And the reason they're not really sure was because the driver simply said, I lost it. I wanted to drive through the straight, right through the station. I just lost it. He had apparently first hit a van, and after he hit the van, one of the cops, this was at a police station already, he hit a, he hit a van first and got frustrated, and then one of the cops walked over to talk to him, and then he apparently lost it and then tried to hit the, the cop. Uh -huh. They don't really know what happened. Normally speaking, um, if it's a terrorist incident, it's not that you hit this and then you hit that. Normally, a terrorist will just go straight for the target. They don't really know in this case whether or not it was a terrorist attack. They're going to investigate and they'll see. Right, I guess but the coming days case, uh, would, would uh, determine that and we'd find out about that. Yeah. Right. In, in exactly. fact, uh, in fact, after the uh, the last round of, uh, of of truces, have there has there been in fact a, a cessation, a total cessation of rocket fire, uh, especially in the south? 
Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I have not personally heard of any rocket attacks in the last week. Thank God. Thank God it's for that. Surprising. Yeah. Yeah, it's surprising. I don't think I don't think we've had a week or a couple of weeks like that in the last in the last three years. I don't, it's been amazing, but that doesn't mean. Let me clarify. That doesn't mean that there haven't been any attacks. Let's clarify that. Okay. They declared a third intifada, but their definition of a third intifada is is a little bit weird. So their third intifada this time is not rocket attacks and, and you know, use, using military standard. Their their intifada standard is, is what they were using basically the first time around, which is, you know, Molotov cocktails, you know, firebombs, uh, periodically, you know, small arms gunfire, rocks, you know, hurling rocks and cement blocks through windshields so that you can uh, send a car off the road and then attack the driver and the passengers, this kind of thing. That's going on, and it's increasing. Right. That's increasing. Well, so we're seeing a lot of that. Uh, well, ho- hopefully it doesn't escalate beyond that, and, uh, and those things can be taken care of also uh, in, the, yeah, uh, yeah, in the future yeah. on this uh on this fast day, we think about what happened in history. We just spoke before with our fast day consultant on the air talking about the fast and uh, the what it what it led to. Uh, so uh, hopefully, in this time, we can think about think about that, and we will have the most positive news in the future. I, I have to tell you that, despite all that, the, on the average day, you would go down the street and you wouldn't know about any of it at all. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's very odd <laughs> because you just wouldn't know. I guess that's a that's a good thing in nice, in certain nice. ways. Yeah. Well, Hannah Levy Julian, again, thank you for joining us this morning. We look forward to speaking to you again next week, and uh, we wish you an easy fast for the rest of the few hours. As you say, it's a time to get rid of some of the calories from Hanukkah. So there are many oh, different thank you so much. <laughs> many many different. Uh, Many different uh, purposes, I guess, <laughs> to the fast. <laughs> thank you very much. Have a have a great day. Be well. Thank and you. you too. Thank you. Thank have you. Have a good thank week, you. everyone. Thank bye you. Bye bye. Conor Julian, senior correspondent and an editor for the Israel National News English Division, joins us here on Sunday mornings on JM Sunday. It's eight ten in the morning Eastern Time. Matas Weingast with you. We're going to go back to the music and around eight forty this morning. We expect to be joined by Rabbi Shalom Deitch of the Chabad of Ridgefield, Connecticut. He'll be discussing the uh, his role in, in the aftermath of the tragic shooting in Newtown last Friday. Here is Mordechai. You know, here is Avram Fried from the Voices for Israel album on JM Sunday. Shall I, you know, you 
A.B. Rottenberg with uh, Yerushalayim from Aish, volume number two. Before that, we heard Geshen Verobo with Variations. And uh, Amen Zeshir with Yerushalayim. And opened up our song segment with Avram Fried from the Voices of Israel. His version there of Yerushalayim. The Yerushalayim theme because of uh, the fast day today, Asara Batevet, and the impact it had on Yerushalayim thousands of years ago, and still has impact today, of course. Mata Swine guest with you on JM Sunday. And uh, we uh, we are going to be joined shortly, in about 10 minutes, by uh, Rabbi Shalom Deitch, co-director of the Chabad of Richfield, Connecticut. He'll be discussing the uh, tragic shooting in Newtown last week. The uh, let's see, we have a song here. Oh yeah, from uh, Schlockrock. It's by request. It's called "Fast Days of the Year." So we're going to play that right now, and uh, 
And that's what we're doing here on JM uh, JM Sunday. Oh, I do want to mention something. I got these uh, beautiful calendars uh, from from Yossi Zweig, who does the Z Report uh, as a, one of the live lunches during the week on the uh, Nachum Siegel Network uh, at com. And uh, for all you music lovers out there, Jewish music lovers, this is the calendar to have. It's a really beautiful calendar. It highlights a, a Jewish music artist uh, on each month, and uh, it's it's great. So here's what I'm going to do. For the first two people that send me an email with their name and address, uh, and uh, send it to matis at nachamsegel.com, M-A-T-T-E-S at nachamsegel.com. First two people to send me an email saying that they would like a calendar, I'm going to send it out to you. And that's what we're going to do. In the meantime, here is music, as I said, by request, Fast Days of the Year, Schlock Rock, from the album Wood Schlock, here on JM Sunday. Lenny Solomon with Schlockrock here on JM Sunday, Yerushalayim. It is um, the Yerushalayim theme of today because of Asar B'tevet. 
and uh, and that was Fast Days of the Year by uh, Lenny Solomon Schlockrock here on a Sunday morning. Matas Wine Guest with you. As I mentioned before, and that song was by request. I don't know if I just said that again. As I mentioned before, uh, Robert Katz will be in for Nachum Siegel tomorrow morning on JM in the AM, starting bright and early, 6 AM. And it's not a fast day tomorrow, so that's good. Uh, he'll be there for three hours, 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM, the Catskills, around the world, jmandtheam.org. And following Robert at 9 o'clock, the next edition of The Israel Show. And uh, Mayor Weingarten informs me that there will be an interesting version of Shlomo Kalbach's Chemtat Yamim uh, presented on the show. Uh, also, new music from Aaron Razel's latest album, Great Israel and Israeli Nostalgia. And, uh, of course, the segment that he has that's become so popular, Mayor Milim. <clears throat> Excuse me, Mayor Milim. And this week they'll take uh, he'll take a closer look at the word sowed. Shh, it's not what you think. That's the... That's the uh, that's the line. So it's not what you think. Take a listen tomorrow. That's at 9 a.m. on the stream right after JM and the AM, which tomorrow will be hosted by Robert Katz, filling in for Nachum Siegel. Nachum will be back on Tuesday morning. If uh, you haven't sent an email yet, uh, and I did not check the emails yet, so if you're the first two emailers at Matis, M-A-T-T-E-S, at NachumSiegel.com, uh, you will receive the beautiful JM 365 calendar, that was put together by uh, Yossi Zweig, and it's uh, filled with information on uh, Jewish music. Highlights a Jewish musician each a month. It's really a nice, a nice product. So we'll be glad to send those out, uh, one to each of the first two people who send me an email at matis at nachmasiegel.com. Here's music by Shlemy Tausig on JM Sunday. Oh, you need me, you should know 
Shlaimi Tausig with Yerushalayim. Matis Weingast with you on JM Sunday on a 10th uh, day in the month of Teves, 5773. It's the uh, Fast of Asarab Teves. We spoke about that before. In the New Jersey area, the fast ends at about 5.16 p.m. Eastern Time. Please check with uh, your local calendars and uh, to find out the exact time that the fast ends this uh, this afternoon, this evening. And uh, don't forget to keep the stream on. All day today we have encore programming and great uh, Jewish music, jmintheam.org. Nachum Siegel will be back on the air Tuesday morning. Robert Katz is uh, taking over for him tomorrow morning on JM in the AM. It's 8.43 Eastern Time in the morning here on a Sunday, and uh, we are joined by Rabbi Shalom Daich, who is the co-director 
of the Chabad of Ridgefield, Connecticut. Good morning, Rabbi Deitch. Good morning. How are you? Can you hear me? Yes. Uh, we are fine. Thank you. And uh, I'm sorry that the first opportunity we have to speak to you is under these circumstances, but you are located in Ridgefield, Connecticut. If my map serves me correctly, it's about uh, 10 or 12 miles outside the town of Newtown, Connecticut. And uh, certainly everyone here and, and literally around the world knows what happened in Newtown last uh, Friday, a week ago Friday. Uh, Rabbi, where were you when you heard about the shootings, and how did you come to be deployed to the, uh, I believe it was to the firehouse in Newtown, where families were gathering to await notifications? Um, Friday morning, I was actually on my way to, for an appointment, I was supposed to be meeting somebody um, in Richfield, which is, as you mentioned, about 12 miles, 10 to 12 miles from Newtown. And um, obviously I turned on the radio like everyone else and heard that something took place in Newtown. Um, originally I thought that it was, you know, a small thing and, you know, maybe somebody was hurt, but hopefully, you know, sooner than later the story will be solved. But, of course, as uh, the minutes went on, we understood that this was something um, a lot worse than uh, regular shooting or something that you, you don't hear that often. So I decided to make a U-turn. I told um, the person I was supposed to meet said that I'm not going to cancel my meeting. And I decided uh, right there and then to head to uh, the school. I was familiar with the area. I know lots of people who live in Newtown. Uh, they're part of our Chabad in uh, Richfield. Uh, uh, you know, the general area is one big greater area. It's called the, the Greater Danbury area. That's the area that we serve. Um, <clears throat> so I obviously, the first thing that came to my mind was to head down to the scene and see if there's anything that I can do um, to help the situation. In, in general, I, I know that it's a, a very religious area for many different religions, and, and it's not predominantly Jewish at all, a very small percentage. Uh, in general, during the course of a year, and I guess especially at certain, I guess, holiday times, Hanukkah and whatnot, do you generally have interactions with uh, the other clergy in the area? It's funny you're asking this question, because as a matter of fact, I believe it was three years ago, I did a menorah lighting in, <clears throat> excuse me, in Newtown, at the Edmund Town Hall, on the steps of Edmund Town Hall, um, we did it together with um, the Temple of Adat Israel. And it was a very successful event. We brought out probably about 250 people, which was quite a large crowd, as you mentioned, for the town of Richfield that doesn't necessarily have such a large Jewish population. Um, but, but I think the mistake that people make is that, um, you know, being out here for probably 70 years, I mean, you know, there's no Jews, there's no Jews, but at the end of the day, there are Jews. You know, obviously it's not a huge Jewish population, but there are many, many Jews who don't necessarily associate themselves with the temple or don't necessarily associate themselves with any Jewish um, organization, but there's quite quite a population. So I did have, you know, interaction with them, um, that particular Hanukkah event and throughout different events that we do, Living Legacy Program, which is, you know, Hanukkah, Purim, Pesach, um, all the different activities, model matzo bakery, and things like that, that we did together with the temple. Sure. And, um, yeah, besides the fact that this particular rabbi, I have a very good relationship as well. He mm-hmm. actually learned in yeshiva in Israel um, at some point. So we, you know, we have a connection. Great. So you get to the you get to the area, you get to the firehouse, the, the scene, I, I can't even imagine... You know, from even from your perspective uh, on the outside, in a, in a little bit of a way, must have been devastating. Absolutely. I mean, uh, it, 
I did not know what to expect. You know, obviously it was uh, something that, you know, we say like in the Lubavish, River, just to jump in there, not to, you know, not to make any calculations or to, excuse <coughs> me, or to, um, you know, prepare yourself what to expect. Um, when I arrived here, there was obviously chaos. Um, people were just coming from every direction. There were parents coming with obviously shock on their face and, and nobody knew what to expect. And uh, I actually met the, the governor at that point, and he recognized me from a previous event. I knew, he knew who I was, and he, you know, he waved that I should come over to him, and I walked over to him, and we hugged each other. And he told me at that point, it was interesting, he said that it was, it was you know, Hanukkah, it was the Friday was still Hanukkah, so he was like, Rabbi, it's Hanukkah today, it was supposed to be a brighter day. And um, it was just, you know, that moment, I, like I said, it was, chaos was tremendous. Um, sure. Nobody knew... They were trying to get themselves organized, and obviously parents were still slowly taking their kids out. And, and you know, t- later on, not, not much later, but that was when, you know, most parents realized, whoever was still there, that, uh, you know, that their kids are not coming home. I obviously wasn't in the room when they were told, but I was outside. Sure. Uh, Rabbi Shalom Daich, uh, co-director of the Chabad in Richfield, Connecticut. Uh, when you when you started to uh, actually speak to some of the, the parents or some of the people uh, that were affected, and uh, and by the way, I just want to say that uh, you know we we know we've heard that the media has been there, and, and in some ways it's good, but in many ways you know it's it's enough time rating. We certainly respect uh, not to go into specific detail about anyone, but when you were speaking to people, how did you muster the words of encouragement at such a difficult time? I'm sure it, you know obviously it affected you. What do you say to people? How do you comfort them? You know. Um I, I really felt felt it out beforehand, depending who I spoke to. You know, a lot of people spoke and a lot of people did not speak. So I didn't know anybody in particular there. So it wasn't like I was able to walk over to somebody who I knew. I was just there as a clergy and, you know, went over to a few families and just tried to give my encouragement. And if they were willing to listen or respond, good. If not, I moved on. So it really depended on the group. But whoever was willing to hear, you know, I just said the, the, the good old, you know, just hold strong and, 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 and you, you can't give up and God's there and God's with you. And, you know, just as encouraging, whatever words I was able to find at that moment just to give it over. Sure. Whether I felt it or believed it or whatever it was, but at that point... I, I did my best to whatever I was able to give, I gave. Absolutely. Uh, as I mentioned before, it's predominantly a non-Jewish uh, area, but a very religious area. Do you, it's hard to make such a generalization, but do you do you find that when people have an acceptance of God and an understanding of God, uh, that it makes the, uh, you know, I don't know if I want to say this word, but it makes it makes the whole process a little bit easier, if you will, or more I don't know, uh, you know, somewhat easier to go through? Absolutely. And, <clears throat> excuse me. As a matter of fact, Sunday night before the president spoke, so we went together with the families to the high school, and um, actually was, we were sitting with the families in the high school waiting for the president to meet them. And right next door to us was the religious, um, not exactly sure what they were, but they were, you know, obviously God-fearing people, and they they kept on, you know, they, they just came across as very strong believers, and it just came across the face that their beliefs and their whatever, however their connection to God was, they it was helping them get through this process. I mean, there's, there's no doubt in my mind. And, and the more 
religious the person was and the more involved in some sort of religion they were, you can see that uh, that it had effect the way they were dealing with this tragedy. Of course. Uh, I'm sure some people probably met a rabbi for the first time there. Uh, the, the house which was hosting this particular family that I was involved with was actually a non-Jewish house, very good friends of the people. And um, the lady kept on commenting over and over and over that this is, this is the first time they had so many rabbis in their house. You know? <laughs> oh, so wow. She obviously uh, said it in a positive way. Of course, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, in the, uh, in, and again, without you know, going into any details, have you had a chance over the last week to, to speak to people? And you know, are you still in touch with uh, is there the network going on to still help people uh, who, who need to reach out? Absolutely. The entire week I, w- I was involved in, you know, in the family, trying to give whatever chizuk I'm able to give them whenever I'm needed for whatever questions or, or just to be around or, or you know, wh- whatever they needed or didn't need, I was, my, my, my service was there. I was there for them. And, um, you know, I, whatever, I, 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 I just, um, you know, what, whatever I was needed, I was there. Excellent. For whatever reason. It's going to be a tremendously long process, of course, uh, a lifetime process for the families, without question. And uh, thank God you're there to help out in whatever way possible. Rabbi Deitch, uh, it's probably not something you expected when you uh, when you decided to be uh, become the, uh, the director over there in uh, Richfield, Connecticut. That's it. not at all. And um, this is part of our this is part of our job. To you know, to go out there and face whatever is given to us. You know, many of my Chabad colleagues throughout the world, I'm sure, you know, over the years, different um, you know national tragic events that took place, and we're there. But that, that, that's our shlichus. That's where we are, and that's what you know. Whatever falls into our plate, um, whether we're prepared for it or not, we jump into it because you know that, that's what that's what we're built for. Was this your is this your first uh, deployment, so to speak, uh, in Connecticut, or were you somewhere else before? No, we were here. We we're here for the last seven, eight years. Wow. And um, and how did yeah, you get the? Uh, how was it cited on Connecticut and Richfield? Well, it all works. It all works obviously by regional directors. Every you know every region has its director, and he kind of looks out to new areas where you know where where, where they feel that Chabad can can open shop. And I was approached by Rabbi Darren, who is the regional director in Connecticut area. He's from Stanford, and um, he told me that the northern Fairfield County, which is, you know, from Richfield south all the way north to um, to probably New Fairfield or Sherman, I don't know if you have a map, and all the way on the other side, the eastern, eastern side of the county, which is all the way till Newtown, till Southbury. So he told me that that, that area can use a Chabad, and, you know, thank God we've been very successful in the past, in the past few years. We have a a full-fledged show every Shabbos with a beautiful minion. We have a Hebrew school and God willing to a preschool. We have a beautiful God Israel day camp with close to 60 kids. Wow. And um, throughout the year, we're very busy with um, all, 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 you know, all things Jewish. Well, it sounds like the, the right person was, was placed in the right place, uh, for, especially for something like this. Uh, you seem to be able to, to you know, communicate very well with, uh, with the people. I'm sure that you've helped them. Tremendously. Uh, Rabbi Shalom Deitch, uh, how do people get in touch with you if they want to get in touch with you in that area? Um, they can email me, uh, ChabadRidgefield at gmail.com. Excellent. I want to thank you very much for joining us in this uh, most difficult period of time. Today's Asar B'Tevei. We know in the calendar how difficult things uh, 
and, and, and tragedies uh, are not forgotten for thousands of years. And uh, here we have a situation uh, that, of course, is going to be remembered for lifetimes. Uh, and we hope. Uh, and I just want to say one point. I want to, sure. I want to bring out a point that what's, what's interesting about this particular tragedy is that, of course, um, the families who were directly hit by this, you know, their, their, their healing and the process of healing for them is, you know, obviously a long road ahead. But, beside, you know, obviously the entire community here, um, I mean, the whole world, but in, in, in particular the community here, the neighborhood here, the, 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 you know, this is a very quiet, peaceful neighborhood. I mean, crimes don't take place here on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and so people in general are very shaken up, and that alone uh, is going to be a process to heal. And, you know, like I said, even those that, had, that didn't have friends or relatives directly hit, but being in the neighborhood, being close by and, and being hit in their, in their comfort, you know, in, the, in, in their comfort zone is going to be a process to heal as well. Absolutely. So we wish you continued Hatzlacha on, uh, on helping everyone. And thank you again for joining us. We look forward to speaking with you at a, at a more, uh, more sympathetic time, if you will, in the future. Amen. My pleasure, for sure. Thank you. Thank you, Rabbi uh, Shalom Deitch of the uh, Chabad of Ridgefield, Connecticut, for joining us this morning. Uh, here is uh, Kolachai with Al Naharot on JM Sunday. I apologize, we're going to be uh, just cutting that a little bit short today. We'll play the full uh, version of the uh, of Al Naharot by Kalachai uh, in uh, the next uh, coming weeks, but we're about to end the show. And I want to thank uh, my guests this morning, Rabbi Deitch from the Chabad of Ridgefield, Connecticut, Hannah uh, Levy Julian, our Israeli correspondent, and uh, Rabbi Elchanan Weinbach talking about today's fast day. Uh, by the way, uh, information on Kalachai. I was told that uh, some of the albums which are out of print are all available 
uh, I guess for download, I'm not sure. But at the kolachai.com, K-O-L-A-C-H-A-I.com. So you can get that uh, music if you if you wish. It's uh, getting close to 9 o'clock here on a Sunday morning. Thank you for joining me. Don't forget, tomorrow morning, Robert Katz on JM and the AM, subbing for Nachum, 6 a.m., bright and early. All day today, the stream continues on jmandtheam.org with great encore programming and music throughout the day. Till next Sunday. Have an easy fast and a great week. We'll see you then. Take care.